Welcome to the first ever Dream Scheme episode. If you know me and you're listening to this to support me, thank you. I hope you're entertained and hopefully learn something new here. If you don't know me and are listening to this, hello, my name is Max. I'm a healthcare professional from Canada, and I'm here to chat about multi-level marketing within the health and wellness industry. I'm going to try to give a brief content overview at the beginning of my episodes with guests, as well as a bit of additional research on some of the topics we discuss. Um, I have ADHD, so although I have a ton of random facts and information in my brain about multi-level marketing, I can almost never retrieve them when I'm actually having a conversation. So I figure if I put it at the beginning, you can listen to the conversation with a little bit more context. Also, a quick content warning for this episode. Carl and I discussed some difficult topics such as medical child abuse, accidental child death, and some of the physical and psychological harms that can result from ableism in healthcare. Okay, so essential oil MLMs. Gary Young founded Young Living back in 1993, which was the first MLM that sold essential oils. Now, Gary Young is a majorly seedy dude with an extensive resume of scams, even before he founded Young Living. I'll go into him more in depth another time. Uh, Anyway, doTERRA is the other big essential oil MLM, and they were founded in 2008 by a couple of Young Living defectors. There's a bunch of drama there that I won't get into, but basically these two companies really swarmed the essential oil market all over the world in the last few decades. Unfortunately, their popularity and their desire to sell their oils without any real regard for ethics or safety or anything was really what allowed for so many misconceptions and misinformation to be spread around regarding the use and safety of these oils. Since then, there has been a ton of misuse of essential oils resulting in serious chemical burns, serious allergic reactions, and even death. Some important things to remember about essential oils is that their manufacturing and ingredients are not regulated really at all in North America. The lack of oversight means that we can never really be 100% sure of the potency of an essential oil, no matter how many claims the companies make. Even if you're getting your, your oils from a trusted source, there's a ton of variables involved in making sure you're using these oils safely. The moral of the story is, it is really not safe at all to be using essential oils without consulting a trusted expert, especially around kids and pets. I'm going to put a link in the description to a couple of aromatherapist professionals who I believe to be trustworthy and who are anti-MLM. However, I still urge you to be extremely cautious, learn first aid, and please do not attempt to replace necessary medical care with essential oils. Remember that severe reactions can happen no matter how careful you are, And children and pets do not always have the ability to communicate pain and discomfort to you. All right, that's my PSA. Enjoy my chat with Carl. All right, there we go. (laughs) There we go. It's recording. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm super excited to chat with you. Um, is Is it Sunday there? Yes, it's Sunday here. That's so funny. I still can't get over time zones. <laughs> <laughs> time zones are weird. <laughs> I remember the first time I was ever talking to an American friend. Um, I said, oh, yeah, can I call you on Saturday? Because it was Friday here. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he was very confused and was like, but <laughs> it's Saturday, man. I'm like, yeah. I know. Or maybe well. it was the other way. Maybe, <laughs> it was like, maybe I was like, can I call you Friday? And I was like... <laughs> okay, this is, this is weird. 
Yes. Well, it brings me comfort that the world has made it to Sunday and another time zone. So <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of wake, huh? Exactly. Um, all right. So um, uh, today uh, we wanted to talk about kind of um, your experience with MLMs between you and your mom. I think you mentioned it was um, in your mom's life and in your life a lot growing up and kind of how that affected um, her life and your life and um, kind of um, the way that MLMs prey on parents of kids with disabilities and um, parents of autistic kids and that kind of thing. So I guess just to jump in, do you want to kind of give a summary of um, of that, of your experiences? Where do I start? Okay, so <laughs> um, I think to first understand how this was happening, I kind of have to talk about where I grew up. So we grew up in a small country town, kind of um, far away from anywhere, not really a lot of resources. And back in my day, the internet wasn't really what it is now. Uh, so you couldn't just Google and you know, and mummy blogs were the thing. Um, and when you live in a rural area, most reputable therapists don't really like driving all the way out there. There's no mm. access to that. You know, two hours each way means, oh, we don't want to do that. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so we didn't have a lot of access to uh, a lot of therapy that maybe we could, like OTs and whatever could only come over once a month. And so I guess mum was just kind of looking for everything. And so I guess that's why she got suckered in um, to these things because we just didn't have access. Um, and then, you know, mummy bloggers, they're all about helping each other out and whatever. But then yes. in the middle of all of that is <laughs> the essential oils recruiters. Um, and Jenny okay. McCarthy wasn't helping things because in my era, like her book was the book that, a lot of parents of autistic kids read and thought was oh yeah these knees okay so <laughs> when when about like what year was this when were you born 1998 so okay. so yeah I was 94 so similar era ish and Jenny McCarthy's book I remember it so clearly but what was what was the title of that um yeah it's been a while since I've read it hang on <laughs> uh, I might I might be wrong, but I think it was Louder Than Words, A Mother's Journey on Healing Autism. Oh, okay. Well, she's got a lot of books, eh? Um, yeah, yeah, she does. <laughs> because after the essential oils, she, I think at one point she started rubbing spoons on his body or something. Huh? I don't oh, have a clue. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even follow her. Like, I, I just... Maybe it's going to make me sound like a bad autistic person, but I don't even really want to know what she's doing because it's just like I don't even want to know the kind of harmful quackery she's spitting out these days. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, these kinds of rhetorics are so harmful, and especially with your experiences, it's easier to just <laughs> not pay attention. Um, yeah, Honestly, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jenny McCarthy. Um, and then, so mommy bloggers back then so this was late 90s early 2000s um 
what kind do you remember what kinds of MLMs were happening in your area back then? Mostly just essential oil stuff. Okay. Like everyone thinking that essential, like they're kind of on the essential oil, like anti-vax naturals thing, you know, every like diet companies that, you know, I reckon that natural diets could cure autism. That was a thing. Yes. I don't know if that's quite MLMs because they don't, um, they're not actively, oh, I suppose they are, even if they're not going door to door, they all the recruits are supposed to sell people and tell them how awesome their stuff is. Yeah. Um, I definitely think so, they're intertwined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it was always like, usually how it would go is some mummy blogger would post, Oh, I've done this awesome essential oil treatment and it worked. And then parents who don't know any better would try it and would either think it worked or if it didn't, then it was always your fault. That it didn't work. You didn't have enough faith. You weren't doing the protocol correctly. Like any number of excuses. Right. Yeah. Um, so in MLM specifically, I was trying to see kind of what, um, MLMs were around uh, back in that area. And I did notice that Young Living, which is one of the kind of two main essential oil ones, as I'm sure you know, um, was founded in 93. So I don't know if they would have been in Australia, but I'm guessing that was probably the, the most prominent one. Okay, I don't really, I kind of know who they are because, yeah, <laughs> anyone who has anything to do with <laughs> essential oils kind of no I don't know whether that's where mum got them from mm-hmm. um and maybe it won't be that helpful because I don't know exactly what companies we dealt with I was only quite young when it all started For and sure. then she kind of abandoned it <laughs> yeah she did kind of realize after a while that it wasn't working um and and not exactly the same thing but my dad has even and I don't know if these count as MLMs either but like those fad diet things that are always supposed to, you know, the freaking soups or whatever that are supposed to help you lose weight. But Oh, diet. yes. I mean, there are definitely a lot of dieting MLMs um, out there for sure. He's gotten caught up in those two. And oh, that's kind of given us all weird ideas about, <laughs> about how it's all supposed to work. For sure. Um, and it was really quite disheartening to see him – just like wonder why they weren't working and feel like he was doing something wrong right yeah that's that's what they love to do right if if things aren't working if you're not making money if you're not losing the weight or being cured of whatever ailment then you're you're not doing it right oh yep yep i knew someone who who invested in tupperware which that's an mlm scheme if ever there was one yes (laughs) Never made any money, but just invested in crap tons of Tupperware. Oh, yeah. And then just couldn't sell it. Yeah, same thing. Hey, so did your parents or your mom specifically, I guess, ever sell the MLM oils or was she more of just a a customer? More of just a customer. Uh, Maybe if it worked, she would have tried to sell them, but no. Gotcha. No, more of just a customer. It was pretty clear to you both kind of n- not too far in that th- these actually weren't really working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kind of just gave it up as a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, what else do you remember from that time kind of regarding um, the different treatments and essential oils that you and your mom tried? 
or that your mum tried on you more more so okay so I remember she put us on a gluten-free diet for about six months gluten-free casein-free well, oh, we don't okay. have gluten intolerance so um that wasn't but it was because again a blogger told her that it cured autism um right. all it really did was be like give me back my normal foods please while we're doing this <laughs> um so yeah that was I remember that I um she always used to just put essential oil in the bath with us because she thought that would help or always used to like have kind of stuff around the house that was supposed to smell nice and was apparently supposed to get rid of the bad energy or something I didn't really understand the <laughs> explanation truthfully I was only quite young when it yeah so um I remember that we um she did get sucked into ABA <laughs> although oh, yes. that was when we lived in Sydney um because we kind of moved around because dad was in the army and so we just kind of moved where the hell he got moved until mum finally had enough of it and sent us back to the country town um and the behavior therapist didn't want to travel all the way out there so that put an end to that but I think yeah yep yep although I found out later that um because mum googled her she still thinks that she's the best therapist ever oh really mum googled her and she's uh now high up in special ed like in department of ed and writing programs and stuff Oh, wow. That's, mm, I'd like to hope she's changed her views, but she was in her 40s when she came to see me, so. Yeah, Uh, ABA is a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a story for another time, yeah. But (laughs) that was mostly what I vividly remember, and um, all the diet and MLM stuff, uh, essential oil stuff. Like, she never tried anything dangerous like MMS or chelation. Thankfully, we didn't get sucked into those. Oh. But. Those are huge, well, money makers for the ones that sell them anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if this counts, but she did also um, take me over to China for stem cell treatment. That was a whole thing. To China? Yeah, because it wasn't approved here in Australia. Or it kind of was, but was extremely trial and they were doing a lot of research and everyone was kind of talking about what stem cells could do. And I think they do good things. Um, but I think there needs to be more research and, but this was being marketed as a cure-all. It said that it could cure anything from autism to muscular dystrophy to anything in between. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. 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 I, uh, I don't know a lot about stem cell research. I know it's, you know, still very new in 2022. We don't know a whole lot about it and it's definitely, um, very helpful for certain, um, diseases and things but yeah back then I I can't imagine China's quite a journey um yeah just to clarify I'm definitely not anti-stem cell um no no yeah I I think we need more research and whatever I'm just anti um using it as a a cure-all and anyway it came out later that my disability it would never have worked there's actually research studies to prove it oh okay yeah and and then that's the other thing right not being anti- whatever treatment but being please don't try this on me before you know what it's going to do yeah yeah because um I didn't even know we we're going to do it mom and dad had well they kept sending me for all these routine blood tests and quote marks which mm. I thought was kind of weird because usually they'd explain whenever I get sent for a blood test um I I thought that they'd 
they usually explain, oh, this is to make sure your hormones are behaving how they should or like this is to make sure this is behaving. Uh, but this time it was just like, oh, routine blood tests, you get at age 11. And I thought, that's weird. Like why not 10 or 12 or 11 is just a weird age. Yeah. And so I kind of just thought it wasn't making any sense. Um, anyway, and it all kind of um, it all kind of came to a head when um, I heard them on the phone to hospitals and they kept saying stuff like, this is our last hope. And so I put two and two together to get 325 and thought, uh-oh, I'm about to be dead. Oh, dear, yeah. <laughs> what would you scary. think, honestly? Yeah, yeah, it's quite terrifying. But it's kind of weird because I didn't feel like I was dying either. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> what's going on with this? Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of bothered me that, you know, they because mum thought it was the last hope. And so then we went over there and it didn't work because we were told that it wouldn't work for some people. But then she still got involved in, like, selling it to other people and saying that she saw it work with some people. Really? Um, and so then she encouraged someone else we knew to go over there and do it. Oh, wow. So I don't know if that's quite an MLM, but that's obviously the one I have the most vivid memories of. Yeah, I, I mean, was about I 11. it all kind of goes together with sort of that, you know, you want to trust your community and when with things like um, autism, especially back in the late 90s, there weren't really a lot of resources um, that were readily available, especially, um, like you said, in, in smaller towns. And it just kind of snowballs sometimes. And I think that is what has and what yeah. is happening with a lot of the MLM kind of health and wellness uh, products. I yeah, yep. I, I'm blind as well, which is what they thought that the stem cells would cure. But okay. Um, I do remember when I was over there, there was this little five-year-old autistic boy from Turkey and his mother sent him over because I don't know what it's like now, but back then she said in Turkey, there weren't a lot of education opportunities for autistic kids. So she thought that if he's cured, then maybe he would get the education that he needed. Wow. Yeah. Because she didn't want him to be in a group home or something, which I don't blame her. She was just doing the best with what, and she thought that it cured him, though it could have just been five-year-old development. For sure. (laughs) Um, But I'm kind of mad that they prey on people like that, people who genuinely want to do the best for their kids, because I think she did. And and that's the thing, I totally agree, and I think it it was the same situation with your mum, right? Like, she... She wants the best for yeah. for you, and was doing the best she could with what she had. And I, I still think that's the case with these folks that are that are using um, the health and wellness products, and specifically essential oils, um, and selling them. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm what I'm hoping to bring some light to. Um, I think so- it is too. Like I'm not even mad at a lot of the recruiters because I think a lot of them genuinely believe it and were sucked in. Exactly. I'm mad at like the ones who make the who make the um like who make the companies the ones who head everything and um yeah most the of the recruiters are making are just, money <laughs> exactly yep yep most of the recruiters are just people like you or I who get suckered into it and yeah 100%. And genuinely think they're helping yes um yeah so that that kind of um brings me to my next question which is if you don't mind sharing what were some of the impacts that that um those things had on you um as a child now um being 
older being an adult? Yeah, look, mm, not going to sugarcoat this. This is going to get really dark. I don't know how else to say this, but it made me think that because it wasn't working and so many people had quote unquote success stories, I now don't think they were. I, <laughs> I don't want to cure now, but I did back then because I thought I had to. So then I thought that I was kind of just a fundamentally broken human. And I was like, well, what am I doing wrong to not get a cure? Like, why is it not me? Why everyone else? Um, I don't understand. What do I have to do to make this work? Because it's not. And obviously that means I'm doing something wrong. Right. Ne- never occurred to me that it was the protocol. Um, yes. I just kind of thought, well, it's me. I'm doing something wrong. Because that's what they would say too, right? Yep. Yeah, that I didn't have enough faith, that wasn't thinking positively, just all that. Yeah, and I I remember after the stem cell treatment, because um, we went twice, the first time we went, they're like, you'll know in six months if it, if it works. And I very vividly recall every couple of days, Dad shining this light in my face and being like, can you see it? And every time I'd be like, no, I can't, he, he'd be so disappointed. And oh. Then I kind of felt like I was letting him down too. Right. Like, why can't just I do it? Right? What, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember the day it didn't work. Um, we're sitting on his bed. I don't know why I remember this, but, and he said, Oh, I need to have a serious chat with you. And I thought, <laughs> trouble. And he goes, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, Well, it is October which that was the window that you'd know it hadn't worked by because we went in April and they oh. said if it was hadn't worked by October, it wasn't going to work. And so it kind of took me a while to process and I thought, okay, congrats. You know what month it is? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay. Anyway, and then I realised and I remember feeling like I'd let him down. They thought I was crying over not having sight. And I thought I was at the time too, but looking back at it now, I think I felt like I'd let them down in a way, like they spent so much money. Um, I found out later that, that they had actually remortgaged their house. And if not for, if not for the, the people in community um, donating a heap of money to us, that we would have been homeless. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I never would have agreed if I knew that they were, I never would have wanted that. Right. And um, you didn't necessarily want so, this in the first place. <laughs> not really. Just kind of felt like the decision was made. But yeah. if I knew that they were going to be homeless, I never would have. <sighs> yeah. I didn't know that that was going to happen. And I, I still to this day feel bad. Like part of me doesn't really want to cure, but then I kind of feel ashamed to admit it because, well, like they're almost going to be homeless. I can't even do that right. Oh, they, yeah. they gave up so much and I can't even do that. And feeling that kind of responsibility as a child is, that shouldn't happen to anyone. Yeah, look, not kind of sugar-coated here. It messed me up properly for years. Yeah. Still kind of does. Doesn't help that if I ever get in a fight with them, it's always like, we took you to China, aren't you grateful? Really? And so I feel like I can't, well, part of me even now feels like somehow mum's going to come across this podcast and be like, why are you talking about all this? <laughs> well, you know, I, I hope that the folks that do hear this um, 
realize that you know you don't have anything against your parents or the the other parents that were using these treatments but um just trying to educate parents and children going forward that um you know we don't we don't need to be experimenting on kids and and remortgaging our houses for for health and wellness products that you know aren't yep gonna work exactly (laughs) i remember my reaction when because i told one of my support workers about it um because i foolishly said something about oh i've been to china oh did you go for a holiday and i'm like i wish and then our story and he said he thought he remembered reading a research study about it found it later and said to me it never would have worked with your disability and i still remember i don't know why i remember this so clearly but I remember we were sitting in the middle of Macca's and he said it never would have worked. And I said, my God, I fell for a scam. <laughs> we all remortgaged our house for a scam. Oh. It's my fault. And it was just this moment of clarity of I felt bad for them. But this is going to sound awful, but I felt relieved too. Like, oh, okay, maybe it's not my fault. It's not my maybe fault. Maybe I – because. I kind of hoped it wouldn't work, but then I felt bad for hoping it wouldn't work. And so then I was like, I was just like, yeah, look, I kind of relieved because it's like, okay, I didn't, because at first I thought like maybe me hoping it wouldn't work was what stuffed with it. And I thought that maybe if I actually wanted it to work, that it would have, I now know it doesn't work like that, but I try telling my brain that. Right. Um, So yeah, I just kind of felt like it was it was kind of like, okay, good. I didn't do this. It was never going to work anyway. Totally. I can breathe. I didn't do this. Totally. And and that, I think, is a really relatable experience. And I, I think that uh, kids in general have a unique ability to um, find ways to make situations their fault. <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I think that that's that's a very relatable feeling of um, relief of okay this this wasn't my fault that this didn't work and it's not my fault my parents remortgaged the house and all that so yeah 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 because I took that on um, yeah <laughs> thought that it was my fault and that everyone would hate me if they found out I didn't actually want to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing that as well, because something that I see a lot in um, with um, parents specifically who have health and wellness uh, MLMs, um, especially the essential oil ones, I see this a lot, is they use their children to advertise their products um, because they can't make, you know, those general health claims Um they say, oh, well, you know, my son, Billy, we put lavender oil on the balls of his feet for five days. And after that, he started saying mummy when he's never talked before and that kind of thing. And I think those kinds of stories, um, whether they're true or not, do place a lot of guilt on parents and children who try these, these methods that aren't going to work um and then when they don't work <laughs> they they yeah. feel really guilty so yeah thank you, you just keep thinking to yourself why can't i be like little billy 
Yeah. Because <laughs> if it worked for him, and what's why don't I want to I be like little Billy, right? Like Yeah, yeah. And not even what's he doing that I'm not. What am I not doing that he is? Right. Exactly. Like there's a key distinction there. Yes. You're so right. And, and MLMs love to push that rhetoric too of, of oh, yeah. Yeah. whoever's failing. And if you get sick from it, um, like the really dangerous ones, not the ones that we've got sucked into. So this isn't my personal experience, just something I've read. Mm-hmm. But if you get sick from like MMS or chelation or the really dangerous ones, then they just tell you, oh, that's fine. That's just healing symptoms. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I've heard that with essential oils as well, um, getting those second and third degree burns from topical application, um, getting oh, yeah. digestive problems from putting these oils in your kids' foods and your foods and having the reps come back and say, oh, well, you know, that's just that's just your body detoxing. It's fine. That's normal. Hopefully, um. <laughs> mom realized because she wanted to run a bath for dad once with essential oils, but we had a big um, bathtub and it said to put, I think it was lavender essential oil, it said to put six drops in the tub. But she's like, oh, that's big. I'll put double the amount and it burnt his skin. Oh, wow. And so I think that's when she was like, what am I doing? Yeah, because that's a fully grown adult there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think that's when she went, what am I doing? Why am I using this crap? Well, I'm very glad that she had that realization and that none of you had to get too seriously hurt um, because I have some, no. some horror stories for sure. And um, in preparing to talk with you as well, I was kind of looking at, you know, what research there is around essential oil use um, and like, especially for kids, topical application and ingesting um, and at best, there's no research. And at worst, there's actually a lot of evidence that a lot of these essential oils are very toxic. Yeah. Thankfully, we didn't ingest. It wasn't our food. It was mostly just like, um, just like go around the house, kind of fumigating. That's um, Because, <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think when she realized that dad had got his skin burnt, she was like, oh, my gosh. That's right. a grown man. I didn't even know they could do that because <laughs> they they kind of push themselves as being this harmless natural alternative. Yes, natural. So it, it, you can't be allergic. It can't do any harm because it's natural, right? Yeah, yeah. That's something I've noticed a lot is they, they push themselves as this like, and something I see a lot, I, I'm assuming mum was told this though, I don't remember much about it, is Doctors don't want you to know about this. It's going to put them out of business. <laughs> Doctors hate this one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see. I often see ads for that when I'm when I'm um, scrolling through a news article or something, and then I'll pop up an ad. Doctors don't want to know how this one person <laughs> yes. managed to stop aging. Yes, and <laughs> and I mean we laugh, but the reality is too that um, I, I don't really know what the healthcare situation is like in Australia, but here in in North America, Canada is obviously a little better, but in the U.S., um, healthcare is so inaccessible that people are looking for those alternatives. Oh, a doctor doesn't know about this, but it only costs me, you know, forty bucks for an oil, but it's five hundred dollars to take my kid to the occupational therapist well I guess I'm using lavender yeah that's (laughs) that's hideous 
Yeah. So it's slightly different for us. Like, so healthcare is a lot of doctors will bulk bill so that like, because we have Medicare, which I think is slightly different to your Medicare, which is basically just a public health system uh, that is definitely not perfect, but sounds better than what you were talking about. <laughs> because, yeah, if you see a GP, a lot of them will bulk bill. Um, the problem is the public system, if you see a specialist, sometimes they won't, like you will have to pay out of pocket. And then other times the public system is so backed up, you wait for yes. literal months That's how to it get is in. Canada because we do, the majority of our healthcare is public, but to see someone like an occupational therapist, a pediatric occupational therapist, especially is, you know, months, years, especially with COVID. Oh, yeah. And we, we now have a scheme um, called the NDIS, National Disability Insurance Scheme. So any funding to see an OT or anything, goes through that which means that everyone has to have an individualized plan written by a planner who's like a government official who you've never met until this meeting and oftentimes if your plan's above a certain amount it goes above the planner to a delegate you've at least met the planner once you don't know the delegate so your plan is in the hands of this person you don't even know just praying to god that they find your accommodations reasonable and necessary which is like the buzzword and a lot of times when they deny you, they're like, oh, we don't find it reasonable and necessary. And it's really hard to argue against that because, well, you thought wrong isn't really an argument. Yes, <laughs> it should be, right. but it's not really. A, um, so then a lot of people might not have access to OT or even do, but have access to like 10 hours the whole year or some like yeah. piss ant. Oh, sorry, you're probably going to have to bit that. Some beautiful <laughs> yeah, little amount. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's just some pitiful little amount that's not at all going to be, well, um, I personally am completely blind, but I'm having trouble getting a talking microwave funded because that's considered to be not necessary. Really? Because why can't I just use a normal one is their rationale. (laughs) Well, so (laughs) healthcare is not as bad as it sounds in the US, but it's kind of, it can kind of be a rock show here too. Yes. And so even though NDIS wasn't around when I was younger, but even still the way it worked back then was that funding went to providers. So you'd have all these big providers that would have all the funding and then the rest wouldn't. And so you'd have to go to these big providers, but then if they couldn't take you, then they'd be backed up for months. And yes. oh, it was it was a horror show and it still kind of is. And so a lot of people get sucked in. Because, yeah, even though our healthcare system isn't as bad, you can still be on the wait list. And even now, as an autistic adult, support is most non-existent for us. Right. A lot of the OTs are mostly pediatric OTs. I yeah, don't know what it's like here. in Canada where you are. Oh, yeah, it's same. Not a lot of support for autistic adults um, unless you have a developmental disability. And even then, it's spotty. Even then, well, yeah, body, yeah, a lot of times here it's like the support is just like off you go to some group home yeah. where oh, you sit behind exactly. four walls yeah. and we forget your existence. Yeah. And or so it's, it's like. So, yeah, I guess it, it's it's the same wherever you go. Healthcare is inaccessible in one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not that you have to pay like $500 out of pocket. Um, well, I had to save up and pay for my own wheelchair because I'm blind. NDIS were just like, but you're blind. You can't use a wheelchair for the same <laughs> reason you can't use a car. 
yeah, it was all thing. Basically, just went from OT to OT, being passed around like a hot potato, and nothing ever coming of it. And then eventually, I decided, uh, stuff it. I'm going into a store myself and going to see how much wheelchairs cost and buy one when I get money. And I went in, and they're like, "But you're blind. We can't sell you a wheelchair because one of the dudes. You cannot make this up. His rationale was." What if a car goes in the footpath and hits you and you die and then someone sues you sues us for giving you a wheelchair? You gotta understand it's a liability perspective. <laughs> I was talking to someone else about it and he laughed and said, Well, what if a piano fell out of the sky and crushed you? That's how ridiculous it sounds. Oh my goodness. Um, and I I said, Well, whose fault is that then if a car's gone on the footpath? That could happen yeah. to someone walking or to someone I don't someone think that's because you're blind. <laughs> no, that just means that driver's lost control <laughs> and gone under the um, – and so that's just kind of – eventually I ended up having to get my wheelchair out of pocket online. And so, yeah, a lot of us can't access needed supports. And so, as you were saying, like something comes up online, doctors don't know about this then you just kind of go woohoo and it won't even cost me as much or I won't have to wait atrocious amounts of time and also I think in a way algorithms don't help either because if you're tweeting about waiting or if you're then you get targeted ads and if you don't know how to turn that off or you don't know how to disable trackers then you'll get ads for things or and I'll take not advantage even ads, of that. If- but, you know, if people on your Facebook or social media will message you and say, hey, I heard you're waiting for such and such treatment. My kid was waiting for that, too, until we used wintergreen oil yeah. or whatever oil. And now we don't need to pay and wait five years for it. And, and then, you know, you're sucked in that way. So, yeah, for sure. And the more you go down the rabbit hole, the more the algorithm feeds you what you want to see. And so then it just ends up, because, well, algorithms work on data. You feed, you feed shit data into it. It just reproduces more of the same, you know? And so if you go down the rabbit hole, then the algorithm feeds you more. And it's really hard to get out of it because it's all you're seeing. Yes. And, and, that, and that plus all the rhetoric they usually use. Yes, exactly. And so actually um, on that note, um, because uh, I... I did my graduate degree in occupational therapy. So I do have quite a bit of, you know, a post-secondary schooling under my belt. So, but when I was, you know, looking for information and research on essential oils just this weekend, um, you Google essential oils and autism over a dozen blogs with titles like best essential oils for autism and ADHD. And even like autism parenting magazine has an article published by some lady with a bachelor of arts talking about, you know, how essential oils can treat autism and the different essential oils to use and where. And it's just like, those are the first few pages of Google that I received just by Googling essential oils and autism. So for someone who doesn't necessarily know, um, you know, how to sift through those things or what to look for in an evidence-based research article, I can definitely see how easy it is to, to find this information. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
um, you don't even have to Google that hard. No, no um, exactly. And a lot of a lot of times they say, oh, I did my research. Yeah, you didn't have to. You just do a surface Google and it pops up straight away. Exactly. Um, although, thankfully, the stuff I said about algorithms wasn't as much of a problem when I was younger because the internet existed, but not not to the point it did. Nobody had smartphones that could just connect yeah. willy-nilly, you know? There were totally different problems uh, back in the late 90s, more so the lack of information rather than the information overload. And now I think there's an information overload, but it kind of works against us in a way yep. because <laughs> now they can spam you with more of their information um, and they've, they've changed their tactics. Um, I ended up down a rabbit hole of... Um, looking up YouTubers who debunk those essential oil things. And then sometimes what the YouTube algorithm will do is show you the opposite of what you want. So I'll get this, here's this essential oils video. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I, I noticed too when I was looking at different websites is the articles and the blogs that are, um, you know, pro using essential oils with kind of no regard for um, which ones are safe, what amount is safe, that kind of thing, versus pages like the National Institute of Environmental and Health Sciences or poison.org. They, they all kind of look the same these days. Like there is, you know, it's, it's not as easy to distinguish which information is reliable. Yeah. Misinformation people, they're, they're good at actually, well, it wouldn't get anywhere if it obviously looked fake. So they know how to make it look like the real thing. So you get suckered in and yeah, it's, um, oh, it's a mess, honestly, the whole thing. <laughs> yes. and just maybe some people genuinely believe it's helping like the people who start it. But I think for a lot of the big name companies, it's just money. Yeah, no, I think at the top, uh, they know a lot more, about exactly what they're doing than the people who are just genuinely looking for alternative ways to, to oh, yeah. children and they just don't not saying someone doesn't know any better sounds bad but you know what I mean like they're, they're not yeah they're not like manipulative like yeah, not trying to cause trying on people for money yeah yeah um it's ironic though they often accuse us who are against it have been grifters but um <laughs> Kerry Rivera who's the like one of the people that really started MMS um Kerry Rivera will not Skype you unless you've paid her a hundred dollars for your hour session first really yep which I find interesting because she calls everyone who speaks out against her grifters says that just there for the money um because there's although I've never really had a lot of experience with it myself, there's an autistic advocate named Emma Dalmain who campaigns against MMS. And so she's come up against people like Harry Rivera. Oh, really? Yeah. And she's really anti-essential oils and um, all those natural cures. Like, like I think at one point someone thought that cow's milk caused autism. That cow's milk did? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think it might have even, I think it might have even been Peter making that claim. Really? I feel like I've heard it all when it comes to autism. 
honestly, the amount of things that people think. I had a friend once who um, asked me if I wanted to taste her wine and I'm like, careful, I've had a cold, you might not want to share that. And she goes, yeah, I don't want to catch autism. Um, That's not what I meant. Like I had a common cold. (laughs) (laughs) I might still be contagious. Be careful. But she was afraid of catching autism. I thought so oh my god apparently not (laughs) she was really afraid she was gonna catch autism if we shared a glass of wine me i was only i was only concerned she was gonna get a common cold that i (laughs) recovered from (laughs) i just kind of sitting there with my mouth hanging open like one of those clowns at sideshows that you got to shove the balls in their open mouth to win a prize <laughs> so I'm just kind of sitting there like wow what? yeah yeah I thought I'd seen it all and then although I think the weirdest thing hands down that I saw was um good morning Britain it was legitimate it wasn't a parody they um asked people to call in and talk about horror stories of when they vaccinated their dogs and what were their experiences with I kid you not canine autism no way. Yeah. I thought it was a parody at first because wow. it was so absurd. <laughs> I thought what it wasn't real. That just oh, really, yeah. like, yeah, th- that's hilarious in the way that it should be a parody and also just really sheds light on the amount of misinformation that is still out there about autism in general. Like, as someone who's part of the disabled community and also works as an occupational therapist, um, my partner is autistic. I, I feel like I kind of have a bubble sometimes, but wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you just kind of get in your own little bubble and then you <laughs> see something that pops it and you just go, oh. <laughs> Wait, what? No. <laughs> like when old mate said she didn't want to catch autism and I was like, oh, no. How did I not realize that's what you thought? We'd been friends for a couple of years. Wow. And so I was, I was just like, how did I not realize that's what, like, because, yeah, my partner and I, we, again, are in the same bubble. She's not disabled, but when we got together, kind of made sure to know a lot about the community and everything. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, that was, that was quite something. <laughs> I still remember <laughs> the first day that, because, dad was going on about how awesome it was that she quote unquote didn't see my disability which oh my goodness I don't like that oh yeah Uh yeah and later on I I asked her about that because it might sound ridiculous but I kind of wanted her to see my disability because I feel like a lot of people when they say that it's their excuse not give us accommodations because you don't have to accommodate what you can't see yes I totally agree that doesn't sound ridiculous at all and I feel like it's kind of ignoring a part of me so I, I asked her I'm like hey what do you think of that phrase? And she said, well, it doesn't sound good. You've always said your disability is a huge part of your identity. And so to say that I don't see your disability would feel like I was saying I didn't see a part of you, distilling you into the parts I only wanted to see. Absolutely. And I was just like, God damn, who's been cutting up onions in here? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who's been cutting? Oh, she sounds like a sweetie. She something wrong. <laughs> she thought she said something wrong, and I'm just like, no, like sobbing. Can't even explain why, but, but I'm so relieved. <laughs> um, That's wonderful. You're yeah, right. It is so unfortunate how rare that is, though, too, right? And 
uh, those phrases like I don't Sometimes. see my disability it's like well I can tell you don't see my disability because you are not making any effort to accommodate it I've actually seriously considered um taking a picture of myself and photoshopping out the wheelchair so I look completely ridiculous sitting on thin air <laughs> and That's how then be like you. is this what you mean when you don't see disability <laughs> I just kind of I don't even know if that'd be possible I've never used photoshop <laughs> yeah I'm not too much of a photoshop just, expert myself but kind of just like put a white white background on so I just kind of look like I'm sitting on nothing <laughs> um and and do it's just like is this what you mean and so yeah it's just kind of it's kind of rare that and when when I told her about that I was going on this this podcast I was like should I talk about stem cells should I not like what if mom sees this and she's like, nah, nah, you got to talk about it. It's part of your life and, um, and people need to know that right. even if they mean well that. So, yeah, I think, I think she's kind of switched on with most of this stuff. That's so awesome. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of in a little bubble. And then when, when we <laughs> see that, we, um, we both laughed about, about our friend being afraid that she was going to catch <laughs> autism. <laughs> and I was like, well. If you catch autism, then you're kind of screwed. <laughs> we've, we've done a lot more than sharing a glass of wine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. You're screwed. <laughs> so then it was kind of, well, maybe it's terrible, but it's kind of a running joke between us that she'll just be like, oh, no, I don't want to catch autism, <laughs> which obviously <laughs> we both know it's um, and maybe we shouldn't be taking the Mickey out of it like that, but I think oh, you know what? I think that's your right. <laughs> and sometimes when you see essential oils claim, it's so ridiculous that you just have to laugh. Um, there was a I woman agree. on Dr. Phil, not quite essential oils, but in the same vein, I suppose, bogus cure-alls, a woman named Jillian Eppley who Jilly went Juice. on Dr. Phil. I know exactly yep. who you're talking about. Oh, and I'm I'm watching this and I'm going, <laughs> this is so absurd for this people. She is unbelievable. <laughs> the sad bit of it is that I don't think she's a grifter. I genuinely think she believes it works. Do you think? I, I've been thinking genuinely... about her a lot actually too, because I and I um uh I wanna say it was a, a podcast called Behind the Bastards did a uh, kind of a deep dive into her because um, they do kind of uh, one or two part series on different grifters. Um, oh, I've been watching Behind the Bastards. Uh, yeah, I think but... they I think they did one on on Jilly Juice, and it's just just unreal. But the fact that you know a lot of people have used it and been seriously harmed by it just again brings light to the fact that these are still oh, yeah. things that need to be yeah talked about it's... and and debunked. Dr. Phil brought on uh, Jillian and then a YouTuber named Jeff Holiday, um, who I don't know if Behind the Bastards did that I haven't found, um, but they they brought on a YouTuber named Jeff Holiday who does a series called A Song of Salt and Poo that's all about Jilly Juice. Oh, really? <laughs> where he actually reads, because Jillian's written a book, I've not read it, um, probably wouldn't even be an audio, but Jeff actually reads Jillian's book and debunks the pseudoscience behind it. Um, oh, wow. And so Dr. Phil got him on it and her, and then he got 
two women who loved it and two women who had horrible experiences. One woman said she's giving it to her two-year-old kid, which I just found sad. Oh, my goodness. But the two women, Nikki and Karen, who he brought on that had horrible experience, both of them said they had minor strokes because the salt intake yes, that's was what four I times your daily. Yep. And Jillian said basically, well, sorry, but you just weren't doing it properly. Yep, there it is again. Which, there it is again with the you're not doing it. And I kind of laughed because it was so absurd, but then I read into it and I'm like, why am I laughing at this? Like it's so like it's so horrid that and that people get suckered into it and well, <laughs> what's that um the, the TikTok sound that's like ah, oh but it's not funny at the end of the day, is it? <laughs> but but yeah, it was just like they they just, yeah, it just absolutely sucks that it's just so pervasive. And, you know, you know, I never see it because I'm in my own little bubble. And then, you know, they then something will come up where they just come out of the woodwork or um, like, and even not essential oils, but even some of the other weird stuff they seem to think was working for autism. Like there's some that, there's something that I think sounds absolutely hideous, but hyperbaric oxygen chambers that for they're originally autism. designed. Yep. They're originally designed for divers that um, came up too quickly and got nitrogen in their bloodstream. You got to go in and oxygenate them before they get the bends. Yes. Yeah. And then I don't know how it came out about for autism, but, but yeah, they oxygenate the, the kids they think it's like not enough oxygen to the brain or something i don't really know the theory behind it but the fact is that those oxygen chambers are painful because you have to get oxygenated and quickly for what they were designed for yeah and so yeah there's and then there's those things like those god-awful diets like the gaps diet Mm, which mm -hmm. stands for gut and psychology syndrome it's just basically feeding them broth as far as I can understand it. I've heard of that one. It's close. Well. Yep. Yep. I suppose you would be looking into all this. Um, I probably should, but the fact is I, it's just hard to go down the rabbit hole. It is. Right. I totally agree. And again, like I said, I kind of do live in my bubble. And um, when you mentioned MMS as well, that kind of like jogged a bit of a memory and I haven't heard of that in a while, but it's still being touted and people are still, using that on their children um I know you know what it is but just um for folks who are listening and might not have heard of it um stands for miracle mineral solution and it's basically chlorine dioxide if I'm correct right just bleach yeah chlorine dioxide I've um, even heard of it being referred to as cd autism yeah which, CD. If that's not a tell I don't know what is yes um and so um yeah basically parents are feeding their children CD, chlorine dioxide, which is essentially bleach, um, and they are destroying their internal organs. <laughs> I Not don't, just don't really know how else to put that. Enemas too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, yep. And yet the sad thing is that they think that the bell lining that's coming out is worms. Yes. And that they're getting rid of the, the autism worms um they actually i wish this was a joke they actually refer to it as pals pissed off worm syndrome 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I've seen some pictures. Um, do not Google if you have, um, if you don't have a strong stomach because that's graphic and it is upsetting because a lot of the pictures are of, of children's intestinal stomach lining base essentially kind of glad I'm blind honestly <laughs> I don't know if I want to see that it's not pretty it's not pretty I I think I I have seen it once or twice and I I don't think I will I will search those pictures out again <laughs> oh it's not something it's not something you ever well ugh. there's even videos of kids going through it and I, I haven't I haven't been able to bring myself to watch those oh my god I think I'd just get a weird combination of sad and angry and with with MMS um actually behind the bastards did a series on the person who invented this treatment slash I feel like it's almost a religion at this point um cult perhaps Jim Humble yeah uh yes yes so but yeah, yeah, I mean, so, it's, um, it's the same thing where you know it's it's parents looking for healthcare that is going to be affordable and accessible. Yeah, and the problem is they act like it is yep. affordable. And um, I actually remember watching because Kerry Rivera, the one who started it all for autism, she met um, Jim Humble, and she actually um, made a testimony video about what got her started. And she said that she saw this stuff in cute bottles and she put some of it on her arm and it gave her a rash. And she thought, I might just give that to Patrick, who's her autistic son. And I thought, oh, my, hang on, hang on. Whoa, back up, rewind. So it gave you a rash. And your response to that is, oh, I'm going to give that to my, I think, five at the time, year old kid. Wow. Why? Like, I don't, I don't have words. I don't, hang on, resetting. I really don't have the words for that. I just, yeah. And I actually had to pause the video and kind of just scream into the void. Like if, if it did that to you, what do you think it's going to do to him? Exactly. I just, uh, and what blows me away is parents that are like, oh, I don't think they want to take that, but they're so suckered in that they think it's for the best. And it's like, yeah, well, and I kind of am a mix of angry, not even really at, at the, at the recruiters who, who started like Jim Humble and that, and then also heartbroken for the kid, for everyone involved, really like us. It's just an ankylation as well, which for those who don't know is a legitimate treatment to get rid of heavy metal poisoning. But the problem is autism isn't heavy metal poisoning. So what will end up happening is you just kind of remove all the metals out of your body, which is bad. I don't know exactly what it does. I don't understand the science behind it, only that you're not supposed to have all metals removed from your body. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard about that one too. I don't know quite as much but again we we are just giving these things to children who are vulnerable in so many ways and trusting of their parents and as as you can attest to it it is harmful in 
in not just the way that the the product itself might harm them, but in in a psychological way as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she never she never has, but it so messed me up after everything that happened with the stem cell treatment that I thought my own partner would hate me for if I told her that I didn't actually want to do it in the first place. Oh wow. I thought she'd hate me and actually had dreams that she was just like, wow, I didn't know you were so ungrateful. Oh my goodness. I obviously talked to her about it and she was horrified that that existed. And she said that although she was sorry for mom and dad, that they remortgaged their house, that it wasn't my fault. And I was kind of the first time that anyone had ever said that. And really? I was like, wait, what? Are you just saying that? Cause like, are you just saying that to try and be nice? And what if you're actually secretly disgusted and don't want to look at me now? Like now that you know that I wasn't grateful for all of that. And and so to hear her say actually no, that should have and so now we're both we're both on the same page about it. I I don't think she ever liked it anyway, but yeah, I um <laughs> I wasn't sure how it was gonna go and I thought she wouldn't like me and then to find out she did and my first thought was huh, yeah okay are you only pretending though when's it gonna end wow like, when so are you gonna realize how eh? ungrateful i am sorry so ingrained from from your experiences oh yeah yeah so anyway. so much so um i it's been we went once when i was 11 once when i was 12 i'm 24 now so it's been 12 years yeah and i still I've still never forgotten. But then also there was that, but also like being awake when, um, because they didn't want to give me anesthetic because apparently there's going to be a health risk. So I had to be awake while they injected a needle into my spine. Oh my goodness. Zero stars would not recommend like easily. No kidding. um, And then part of what they wanted to do, they wanted me to be awake while they stuck a needle in my eye and, my 12-year-old self was like, huh, how about you put that idea where it belongs? <laughs> As you <laughs> should. want to do that. Oh, my goodness. Which very rarely would I ever, because usually I'm just like, well, I trust the doctors, but this particular day I was just like, nope, yeah. nope. <laughs> um, and so they decided to do it at the same time. They were taking my bone marrow out because that was part of it, mixing my bone marrow with with stem cell treatment, uh, with the packet stem cells. Um, I... And I say this as someone in chronic pain, um, <laughs> getting my bone marrow taken out was easily one of the most painful things I've ever actually done. I wasn't awake when they did it, but whoo-wee, you feel it when you wake up. And I definitely so believe you. I have heard that that is extremely <laughs> painful. Oh, yeah. And so there's that, but then there's the, the nightmares of being strapped to an operating table while I'm still awake. And oh so I still... Gosh. I still have nightmares about, I haven't told mum and dad because they're just like, oh, really? You still have nightmares about that? Uh, and I, I think it kind of makes them feel bad. And so I don't, I don't tell them that, but I still, I still have nightmares about that. I even, again, not that she would ever do this. I'm probably making her sound really bad right now on the podcast, but I had a dream that my current partner was going to sell me to some medical facility that experimented on people while they were still alive oh my gosh yeah that was something 
and I so know she wouldn't actually do that yeah no of course um no she sounds like a sweetheart <laughs> I don't think she would that's she just, would be silly that's just like I hope I'm not <laughs> making her sound bad right no now no not podcast. at all um she sounds Most wonderful of this is just my own stuff yeah, yeah no it's it's so... the trauma from from what happened and I I also want I, like I want to thank you for sharing that because um something else that I think is really important to remember is that you um who are disabled and autistic and are able to articulate what you were feeling at the time what you feel about it now um and your your kind of emotions related to all of it a lot of kids that are given these types of treatments that we've been talking about aren't able to articulate how they're feeling about it how painful it is you know whether they're experiencing side effects sorry or if they can, they get brushed off. Yes. The 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 um, non-speaking ones can't articulate it, or not in a way that parents understand. And then the ones who do, they get brushed off. Yes, it's it's just so. And I think this is partly why I'm, I, I very um, I very nearly considered backing out. If we're being completely honest, not because of anything you did wrong, <laughs> just because it's kind of hard to talk about all this but then I thought no I want to speak up for those who can't and you know they often parents say oh you can't speak for my child like you're not non-speaking well no I'm not I'd never pretend to be uh and the experiences of a non-speaking autistic person they have a lot harder time of it than I do and so I'd never pretend I'd never try and take away from that but the fact is that I was like your child at one point of and course. I didn't speak till quite late. And even though I, you know, well, we're engaged and I've been to college and I have what most would consider to be what most autism parents would consider to be a successful life. But now I'm too burnt out. I can't work. Um, I have a whole lot of trauma from all of this. And so whenever parents say, oh, I wish my kid could be like you, no, no, you don't. You don't want your kid to be like me. On the surface, everything seems fine. And, and so I think this is why I'm doing this for parents who mean well and get suckered into this. And I want to just be like, look, this isn't fine. And even if your kid can't tell you they're not fine, it's, it's not meanwhile but it's not going to do good in the long run yeah i really hope that parents don't see this and think i'm attacking them i've been trying so hard to sound like i'm not um <laughs> no and i think uh, yeah. i i i, I want to reiterate that as well i don't i i want to come at this this chat with you and and this kind of podcast on advocacy in general um i don't want to be shaming parents, I don't want to be shaming victims of MLMs and these other scams that we've talked about. Um, but it is important to bring to light the consequences that the kids who are subjected to this do experience and will experience. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what I wanted to do. Just speak for those who who can't for whatever reason, whether it's because they're non-speaking and no one understands because they get brushed aside, or even if they were like I was for years too, I don't know if ashamed is the right word, but not really feeling like they could speak up. And I, <laughs> imposter syndrome is an absolute 
witch with a B, honestly, <laughs> because before I got on this podcast, I kept thinking, should I be doing this? Am I appropriating experiences that aren't mine? No, these are all your experiences. And, you know, as um, as someone who is disabled and autistic as speaking, you are someone who is able to share these experiences um, for the folks that, that can't for whatever reason too, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd never claim to speak for everybody, but that's definitely something that I want to, um, yeah, I think that's what what I want parents to take away from this is just you mean well and you got to suck it into this, but um, it, and I don't know how to, I'll try to say this nicely, but it will end up doing your kid a lot more harm than good. And you won't want to hear that because no parent wants to hear that they're doing their kids harm. It goes against, oh, well, I guess some, like, of course, there are a tiny minority of people that, you know, but for the most part, parents don't want to hear that, that they're, doing their kids harm and so it might be hard to hear but I just want what's best for the kids and that means doing away with all of this and exposing these uh, high level grifters for what they are. Absolutely yes Um, and I know that all of those parents with um, with kids with you know who are disabled or have autism or anything else they absolutely want the best for their children too and that's why they are seeking these kinds of treatments which is the the most ironic part unfortunately oh yeah 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 it's um a story for another day but it's much the same with aba yes (laughs) i don't really feel sorry for the therapists or whatever but a lot of parents and if you do a google or maybe less so now because we're getting more of a voice but if you do a google Pages upon pages upon pages of glowing reports of ABA. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that the reason that, and yeah, especially if you don't have any resources or an MLM companies, not exactly the same thing because ABA is often recommended by doctors and essential oils and whatever aren't, but yeah, they all just prey on desperate parents who want the best for their kids and yeah. That's what I think is the most sick about all of this. They get ordinary people to do horrible things because people will do horrible acts if they can justify in their own mind that they're doing good. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean they're horrible people. It just is a thing that happens. Yes, and that's, I think, too, one of the important aspects when we look at um, people who are in MLMs and are coming out of MLMs is that those people are, are absolutely victims um, and are going to be experiencing a lot of their own trauma regarding everything that happened and things they were roped into and, and the guilt and all of that and financial loss. And, and they are also going to have to kind of deal with that those feelings of also having been a perpetrator in in a few ways unfortunately just this awful feeling of my god what have I done I thought I was I thought I was doing what was best and it was yeah (laughs) yeah and I used to 
Yeah, and I remember that when, um, bit off topic, but I was watching a 60 Minutes program about this um, uh, doctor in, oh, I think it's in Washington, D.C., or maybe it's somewhere else, I don't know, somewhere in America that his treatment is to put chronic pain patients in more pain to make them better. Um, and uh, they were focusing on a program with one of the rheumatology students that worked under him that basically is the same thing. Anyway, but they basically make these kids do like seven hour workouts a day, which is bad for anyone, not with chronic oh, pain. Oh, yeah. But what if they're like misdiagnosed EDS or something? I, oh my God. I have that. And um, my physiotherapist when I was younger was like, don't say you can't, can't a swear word. And I think that trying to push through my disability has made it worse. So imagine, imagine being that um, worked to the bone. Yes. Anyway, and they were interviewing one of the therapists and she's like, oh, it's hard to do this, but we're helping. And that's kind of, I kind of had a moment of clarity there where that's I the thought, mindset. yeah, well, that's just it, isn't it? That's what people, people can be convinced to do horrible things if they think they're helping. Yeah. And so then I just kind of had this moment of, oh, duh, that's why they're doing this. And yeah, it just kind of put a lot of things into perspective and then that's well uh when you're at home a lot you do a lot of thinking and it kind of got me thinking about parents who put their kids through these things what's going through their mind and then I realized it's the same thing they genuinely think they're helping and they don't realize what they've gotten sucked into and then if they get out that and again I think that's why a lot of people don't get out because they can't deal with the feelings of my God, what have I done? Yeah, you're so right. And so I think that's part of it too. Absolutely. Um, All right. So I don't want to keep you too, too much longer. um, But just before we uh, wrap up, I did want to go over um, with you some of the kind of actual dangers of using essential oils, especially on children, which is kind of what our, what our chat has been focused on. Um, so, um, just let me know what you think. And, um, if you've heard of these, um, this evidence and, or, or if you haven't that kind of thing. So, uh, first I was looking at the, the topical application. So just putting essential oils on the skin, which is, um, sort of, I think, what you experienced a little bit of. Uh, so with, with topical application, um, children are very susceptible to the toxicity from, from essential oils and putting that on their skin, especially because uh, children's skin is a lot thinner and will absorb dangerous amounts quite a bit quicker. And the other thing is that children, um, especially smaller children or autistic kids who might be sensory seeking these oils when you put them on their skin they might have a nice smell or an interesting smell so inhaling them or swallowing them or licking them um, when they do that it's very common for them to choke uh, due to kind of the bitter taste and it'll send the oil into their airway and into their lungs so that is how Jesus Christ yeah so pneumonia is um is a real risk when you're looking at topical application and accidental or purposeful ingestion. Didn't even, 
Crushed yeah, that was something I didn't think about either. Um, because I've you know I've seen the the chemical burns and that kind of thing, but yeah, I, I didn't even think mm. about you know inhaling those those chemicals. And considering um, oh, considering um, my my skin is so sensitive that I can't even put makeup on my face without breaking out in huge chemical burns, like mm. even normal makeup that most people can wear. So I'm glad that we didn't have to do with a lot of the topical application yes. because if that does if that does that, that to people without sensitive skin if it did that to dad like this is going to sound selfish but like that could have been me and it could have no been absolutely worse. and and I was thinking that when you were telling that story of of your dad being a fully grown man and at the time you would have been you know quite a bit younger and yeah that would have that would have really burned, especially because um, on my list, what I found of the most highly toxic essential oils for topical use is lavender on there. Oh, so she really just picked the worst one <laughs> to use. For, yeah, for some, some of the more toxic ones are lavender, clove, camphor, eucalyptus, thyme, tea tree, and wintergreen, all of which I've seen are very, very commonly used um, within the MLMs. So I knew about lavender and tea tree. Mm. Um, but yeah, my, for the most part, mum just kind of used essential like spraying lavender spray on our pillows and stuff. Right. Like just kind And of, even that, you know, the risk of inhalation of those really concentrated chemicals is, yeah, it is can, pretty dangerous. And I hadn't even considered the accidentally choking on the bitter tasting oil. I should have. It makes sense. Yeah, me neither. I hadn't thought about that. But Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's, mm, yep, that's a lot of, yeah. Now I'm just realizing how how lucky we were that we, we escaped that <laughs> because, yeah, it's, um, I remember reading a really sad story of a baby that died of pneumonia because his parents kept giving him essential oils. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. But a one-year-old, exactly I think. probably what would have happened. Yeah, parents just kept giving it essential oils and kept trying to cure it with, and that the baby died. I never found out whether the, I know some people wanted the parents to be prosecuted, but I never found out what happened with that. I've never heard of that case, so I, I might have to look into it. But um, yeah, that's that's really unfortunate because I'm a hundred percent sure that that is not the 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 uh, reaction that the parents wanted. Oh gosh, no, no, surely not. But. Yeah, it's just like, and then having to live with that. Yeah, exactly. Having to live with knowing that you've, yeah, Jesus. And I suppose it's a lot worse if you ingest it. Yeah, so ingesting some of these essential oils um, can cause symptoms like agitation, hallucinations, and seizures (laughs) in children. Um, even liver failure and brain swelling. Um, These things aren't extremely common, obviously. Um, And, you know, people who ingest essential oils and give them to their kids are going to say that. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And the fact is... Rare as it might be, it does happen. Exactly. The fact is that these these essential oils, they're not regulated by the FDA. TC or FDA, which is American, they're minimally regulated by our um, 
uh, health product regulation here in Canada, which is, um, I don't even remember what it's called in Canada, but we have, um, we have regulation for products, health products that aren't um, like medical products. They're like the, the supplements and that kind of thing. Um, and essential oils are, are minimally regulated by um, the Canadian government. I couldn't find I anything know. about Australia's regulations, to be honest. Yeah, truth be told, I live here and even I don't know really anything about our regulations. <laughs> um, I know I should, but yeah, I did. I think that what regulations exist are quite lax. Yes. Mostly because they are everywhere else, so I'm kind of assuming that, that what yeah. regulations exist are quite lax. And I know, I don't know about other countries. I, I mostly hear a lot about um, the U.S. and the, um, the the politics that kind of goes into regulating these kinds of products because they are billion-dollar industries. Um, so they're purposely not regulated. It's not a mistake. It's not them falling through the cracks, you know. And that's, I think, something to take in con- into consideration, too, when when we're looking at using health products like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's too much money in it for them not to. Yeah. Yeah. There's way too much money there for them to regulate because you regulate it, all the toxicity, like the toxic stuff gets removed, uh, and then, whew, there goes all the money. Yep. And then it doesn't help that the billionaires, billionaires all seem to have their hands in each other's pockets anyway. So it's not hard to just... Something yeah. interesting um, that I was looking at, um, I, I don't know why I must have, oh, it's, um, so it's, it's just basically in Canada called natural health product licensing. So you have to go through the government and, and get your health product licensed if you're going to make certain claims about it. So I noticed that when I looked through the, the database, doTERRA only has four or five of their products registered with this um, natural health product database and the rest of their products are not they are instead filed under cosmetics so in that way they're they're quite a bit less regulated and then it's supposed to be that they're not allowed to make those kinds of health claims if they're regulated under cosmetics but we know that even if doTERRA isn't making them themselves, which we know that they are because on their website, it's it, it's um, on their website, you can search an oil and it'll say like, they, they've got these little stickers of like, this one can be ingested, this one can be inhaled, this one can be put on topically and it'll do all these different things with a tiny little asterisk at the bottom saying uh, these statements aren't backed up by the FDA. So, okay, well, you're not making the health claims, but you are making the health claims, you know? Huh. So they kind of they kind of put a disclaimer, like really kind of down the bottom, you have to know what you're looking for. Yeah. And anyone who wouldn't know what they're looking for would think that it was a genuine health claim. Yeah, exactly. But then, like, but then when it actually like corporate, or like when some big body, you know, audits them, then they can kind of just throw their hands up in the air and be like, see, see. Yeah, well, we, we have the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, which most people wouldn't even know. Like, damn, they could be underwear designers for all the butt covering they're doing. Exactly. 
Um, one example that I was looking at is doTERRA has an oil called um, Melissa, which is um, basically it's lemon balm essential oil, which can be highly, highly toxic um, if ingested in larger quantities. It's very expensive oh, and they only sell it in five milliliters. So, I mean, you have to buy really a lot the chances, yeah, the chances of, of someone being seriously uh, injured from from ingesting it are slim to be fair but on here it says can be used internally can be used topically can be used with no dilution so that means it can be uh, used just without a carrier oil um, and then uh, it says Melissa essential oil is often used internally to reduce tense feelings promote relaxation and calm feelings of nervousness with a little asterisk and if you go all the way to the bottom it says these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But you did uh, say, you one. just finished saying that it can be used internally to do all these things. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but most people wouldn't know what, the, what that was or what to look for. Exactly. So and did then, you say it was, it's called Melissa? Like a it's called Melissa, name. yeah. So Lemon Balm, um, I guess it's sort of uh, scientific name is Melissa officinalis i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right but doTERRA kind of branded it as melissa oil so that's actually one of the few oils that they have that are regulated through um canada's natural health products regulation and then i think they've got three or four others and the rest are just sold as cosmetics but they're making all the same claims it doesn't matter yeah yeah it's still they say they're not, but really, like, how would most people even know what to look for? I wouldn't have even known what to look for until you told me. Exactly. And that's what I was saying in, in the first place when I Googled essential oils and autism. Guess what came up? You know, first two pages of, of blogs telling me how to use essential oils in and on and around my child to help with their autism. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a huge huge problem yeah and doesn't help with well when celebrities like jenny mccarthy promote that and then even jim carrey i think got on the train too because mm-hmm. even though jenny mccarthy's a soap star that most people probably wouldn't know most people do know jim carrey yeah i remember they were both huge setbacks for the autistic advocacy community um and oh big are, i mean <laughs> <laughs> much the same as um everything going on with Sia <laughs> um, that's another story yeah, so I guess um my just the last thing that I wanted to say is that I think the best way to kind of combat these um misinformations and these uh false cures that are marketed by people who don't care about your children and want to make money is to look towards adult autistic advocates who have been there and know what works and know what is harmful and yeah and and listen to them because they're the ones that that really want what's best for for your kids we've been there we've done it we don't want to attack you we don't want to we're not doing this to be like shit shit everyone shit (laughs) <laughs> but we we just want we've been there we've done it yeah we know what it's done to us 
And so we just don't want any other kids to go the same way we did. That's all it is. Yes. And the other thing is to vote for, not to get too political, but vote for the folks that are looking at improving healthcare and making healthcare more accessible, more affordable, more public, all those amazing things <laughs> that we need. Yep. Agreed. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before I uh, say farewell? Oh, I think we've covered everything. All right. Well, this was a very interesting um, chat. So thank you so much for talking with me. It was it was really nice to uh, hear your story. And I really appreciate you sharing <laughs> your experiences. Yeah. Sorry for getting off topic a couple of times. No, but, I, uh, I think it's good. It's good to... Uh, to touch all the bases. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope that that'll helped at least. Yes, I hope so too. <laughs> and you are the first person I have recorded with so far. So hopefully, um, hopefully it worked. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again. I will uh, let you go and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. I think it is there. Uh, hang on. Yeah, it's afternoon there because it's 12.36 here. Oh, gee, that, that went. Yes, um, it did. <laughs> cool. Okay. All right. Well, great. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye. Bye.